0: All right, how are we, church? Whoa, awesome, awesome, awesome. We've already had some fun morning already. Enjoyed our band. Great job to those guys. I love our church being here so early today. This is awesome. Packed house, packed, packed house. Now, how many of you guys, if you were honest, you, you woke up earlier, but then you squandered some of your time away, and then still were in a rush to get to church? Anybody like that? That was what was so weird for us. Here's what I noticed about churches when it comes to like uh, daylight savings times. You will always get an email from a church when it's spring forward because we don't want you to be late. How many of you have ever gotten an email from a church about our falling back? Anybody? Not me. I've never sent one. I've never got one. Maybe one person here, but I think that's kind of funny. we we'll want you to get here on time. But we're like fine if it's falling back and you're going to get here an hour early. and We're just going to let you hang out for a little bit longer. So anyway, so look, we're starting a series today called The Good Life. Now, everybody wants some good in their life. Am I right? Anybody here not want some good in your life? But we all define that differently. Some of you guys define that as Alabama won last night, so we're good. That's the good life, right? The Georgia Bulldogs, they're trying to find some good in their life right now. Um, I'm not hating on you, Ed, but that's just a reality right now. They're building back. I understand. Uh, but when it comes to wanting the good life, we, we really do. We all define it differently. What is it for me that makes a life good or whether life's bad or where am I at in the midst of whether it's good or bad? But we all define it differently. Some basically, you know, we have the mindset, and I think it's probably most of Americans' mindset that uh, the good life is basically if we can eat, drink, and be merry, right? If we just have... The essentials. We've got, you know, some comforts, and then life is good. And I think that's great. I mean, a lot of us—that's even you know, a lot of us—that's what we think. But a lot of us define that differently. For some of us, it's if I can—if I can ever live in the right place, right? Some of you guys are like military, and your next stop is Hawaii, right? And you're like, yes, I got out of Columbus, Georgia, then I'll have the good life, right? Or some of you guys think if I can just finally be in shape, I'm just like never in shape. I'm always frustrated. I can't do what I want to do, especially if you're in a you know physical type job of some sorts, Um, being in shape. Or some of us are so you're organized, and when you when your life is like really, really, you got it all teed up just right. You're on time for everything. Your garage is organized. How many guys? How many men? You love an organized garage, men. How many guys? You men? You you could care less if the laundry room is organized, as long as the garage is organized. No, I saw one guy raise his hand. That's not bright. Okay, so disregard that question. Um, some of us is like, I, my life is good if I can ever get married to a hot babe, right, or a really wealthy guy. If I can marry a rich guy, and that's not a bad thing, ladies, all right, I'm all praying for my daughters to marry a rich guy, all right, it's not a bad thing, but it, that, that's, that's a good life if I can marry a good, good person. Um, if I have a if we can have some great vacations, right, great vacation, that's a good life, or a bigger house, that's a good life. All right, but here's the thing. We think, and this is probably 99% of us, we think the good life is something that happens to you. We think that having the good life somehow is something that happens externally to you. So like once I get that job, then I'll have a good life. Once I get that, you know, new house, then I'll have the good life. Once I get that raise or once I fall in love, once I fall in love and I get married, you know, that's what single people think. If I just fall in love and I can get married, then I'll have the good life. Right. But, you know, what that happens, what happens after you get married, then you have kids. And then some of us are thinking all along the way, if I just have kids, then I'll have a good life. Right. And then, so you have kids and then you're like some of these people up here this morning, you're going, oh, my gosh, I'm pulling my hair out right now. Right? They are up all night long. So if, I, if my kids can just get to the next phase and they're sleeping all night, right? Then, then you know as parents you're thinking, man, what, what day will they finally move off to school? Right? I can't wait for them. Woo! Can't wait for that moment. And then they move off to school and then you're sad and you're blue and then all of a sudden the rest of them move out of the house and they're off at school and then one day they get married, they move off and then you're sad and lonely and you're depressed and you're like, you know, and that goes on and on and on and on to the day you die and you're like, when am I going to get the good life, right? So that happens to all of us. And so here's the truth. Jot this down today if you want to write something cool in your notes. The good life isn't something that happens to you. The good life is something that happens in you and through you in relationship with Jesus Christ. So, I mean, you think about this. So many of us, we are living almost in a, fro- a false pretense that we think that the good life is something that's going to happen to us, something externally that happens. And so we live this treadmill life, a lot of us, if we're honest, running after, chasing after, trying to subscribe to the next thing that I need so that finally, finally, just finally, I can can have a good life, right? So the good life isn't isn't something that happens to you, but it happens in you and through you in a relationship with God. So you don't have to get one more thing to have a good life. I mean, that's good news, right? You, you don't have to get one more thing. You don't have to get the rays to have the good life. You don't have to have everything all aligned, the stars just right, to have the good life. The good life can be right now. You can have the good life today. Today, you can have the good life today by opening your heart to God and living in gratitude and generosity with all that He has provided you and by walking in His blessing. I mean, that, that can happen. That can happen for all of us. So we're not running that treadmill, dreaming of what's next, just to get to that place and realizing, like, okay, that was nice for a moment, but maybe that wasn't really ever the good life. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at what matters most in life in this series. And today I want to look at Luke chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, great. Pop that open. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament, third book in the New Testament. If not, grab your smartphone. Everybody's got a lot of you guys have our, uh, not our, but the Bible version, version Bible app, phenomenal app. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be rolling out the My Church app. Booyah! All right, that's coming real soon. All right, so get excited about that. We've got some really cool stuff we'll be sharing with you, I think it's next week. All right, let me just tease that out. It might be next week, so you don't want to miss this. All right, so Luke chapter 2. We'll also have it up on screens, and I think if you walked in this morning, how many of you guys got a, a, a little message worship guide thingy, right? You can use that to fan yourself. It's good for a lot of things, all right? If you get mad, you can just whack somebody next to you. But we're going to have all our notes in that. So Luke chapter 2, all right? Let me give you a little a little brief context on this. Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter 2, and there's a guy who comes up to Jesus, and he basically just, you know, begins to inquire and ask questions and basically just kind of just Blast Jesus with, like, this frustration that he has. And he's like, hey, I'm mad. I'm frustrated because my brother owes me money, right? My brother, i loaned him some money, owes me some money, and I want you to have him pay me back. So, Jesus, you're a miracle guy. You're, you know, you're a nice guy. You're kind of like the good dude out there. And I want you to get him to give me the money that's owed to me so that I then I can, you know, have the good life. I can get to where I need to be because he owes me money. So in Luke chapter twelve sixteen, Jesus just he doesn't really even respond directly to this guy's question. He just goes right to the heart of the matter, right, by answering this guy. So Jesus in verse sixteen, then he said, "Beware!" Like so, the, here's a big, huge word, one for us to just like look at right now. Beware. And then he goes into explaining what we've got to beware of. And this is where it's just probably most critical for 99.9% of all of us, myself included. Beware, guard against every kind of what? Greed. Greed, Greed, right? Um, I can promise you, I've been now in a full-time church role, pastor role, youth pastor role for, I mean, 20, I mean, probably 25 years. And I promise you, I've had people share a lot of stuff with me, right? Stuff they're like, whoo, never heard that one. Now, there's not much that ever surprises me anymore. Last week, someone shared something with me, and I said, look, he was just like stammering and stammering, wanted to share something with me, asked me to pray for him about something. He was stammering around, like, look, just trust me, it's not going to surprise me. And he shared it, I'm like, dude, bro, come on, we're all good. That's not the first, I love you, I'm not going to judge you, but can I tell you, Out of all the things people have shared with me, hey, I've got this addiction. I've done this terrible thing. You're never going to believe it. I'm like, I've heard of it all before. Been there, done that on half of those, right? I've never had one person just come up to me and say, oh my gosh, I'm just struggling. I'm so greedy. Nobody has ever said, I'm just struggling in my life. Everybody's so mad at me just because I'm greedy. I'm just greedy. Nobody has ever said that to me. Yet here's what's crazy about Scripture. Scripture says that we ought to beware of it because a lot of us struggle with it. And honestly, most of us, we do not have a clue that we're, that we're into ourselves and we serve ourselves a whole lot. Nobody really gets that. I mean, I, it, it takes other people to tell me. It takes, it takes my kids. It takes my wife. It takes, takes close, close friends. It takes family members. It takes some of you to help us see that we struggle in this area. But Jesus speaks to this guy's heart. Because he recognizes there is, there's a gap between where you want to be and where I think you can go in this issue of, of greed. And so he says to him, he says, life is not measured by how much you own. Now this guy, he's, he's got some stuff. He's, got, he's accumulated a lot of stuff. He's got it going on. He's doing well by, I mean, like, like the standards of that day, he was doing extremely well. But apparently he was still struggling of, of where, he, where he wanted to go and thinking that he'd have a good lo- the good life if he had just a little bit, what? More. So Jesus speaks to this guy, and here's what's crazy. This statement, life is not measured by how much you own. I promise you, it, this is like so countercultural, is it not? Think about our culture today, like fillet that sentence in A week's worth of what we see on TV, what we see on, you know, our Internet, what we see on commercials, what we see, what we hear, you know, our Facebook pages, our, you know, what we're talking about, what others are talking about. You take a week's worth of everything that we put in over a week, over a seven-day period of time, and I can promise you that you're probably not going to hear anything that aligns with that. Think about it. Life is not measured by how much you own. So Jesus says, your life, your life is more important than that to this guy. Listen, I know that's where you think you want to go because you think that's going to give you the good life. But he's essentially trying to show value of this person and saying, you're more important than that. This is not an external thing that you're after. It's really an internal thing that you're after. See, this is not something that happens to you that I can just go get and grab hold of and think something comes my way, then all of a sudden I've got the good life. He says, this is something that happens inside you. So let me give you three things today. Preachers like three things. I don't know why we do three things. Three things are simple. They're easy to remember. I've got these in your notes today, but I want you to look at these today, and I want us to seriously evaluate where we're at. And I'm just going to raise my hand on this. This is something that I haven't always struggled with in life, but as we've grown as a family and we've gotten more stuff and our church has grown. This is something I'm wrestling with more and more and more in my life. Just raising my hand on this one, right? As I've prepared for this, this last week, God's been going like, yeah, you're there, all right? So I think this is, a, this is something for me in this this week, in this series, probably for all of us. But I want you to jot this down in your notes today. If you've got notes, it's in your little handout. First thing we've got to do, Jesus wants us to grasp, number one, We've got to guard against greed. We've got to guard against it. Like, like, go forth and guard against the greed that you may or may not recognize that we have. Now, how many of you guys, how many of you guys know what this is right here? We know what this is? It's a box? Happiness. It's happiness. Someone <laughs> just said happiness, right? I, I get so excited when I come home. It's like, when's my Amazon box going to gonna be there, right? Anybody? I mean, I mean it's like hilarious. like, this, this, this is an Amazon Prime box that I took from my house today that's not even been opened yet. <laughs> right? You're like, you didn't even open it? Yeah, we know it's in it, right? <laughs> I mean, we know it's in it. And actually, we got to send it back, right? So everybody knows, I mean, most of us know Amazon, right? You guys remember the days when it was just Amazon and you decided like, ooh, we got to get Amazon Prime because it's going to do what? Save you money, right? Right? When you get Amazon Prime, you start saving, saving some money. You're like, it's going to get me free shipping. And all of a sudden, you're looking down all the things you're shopping for online. You're thinking Christmas is coming up. In fact, I ran, a couple, ran into some of you guys at Walmart like a week ago, and you were already buying Christmas items, right? Could have bought it on Amazon. I'm just saying, right? But, but, but. You get Amazon, and then all of a sudden you decide I'm going to pay the extra for Amazon Prime because I'm going to save some money. And then what happens to you? You're shopping on Amazon Prime, and you realize, oh, my gosh, look how much I can save by not paying the shipping costs. And all of a sudden, you start looking around over a few years' time, and then you've got boxes everywhere. I show up at home, and I'm like, hey, who ordered these boxes? Whose boxes are these? There's not my boxes. Chris is like, not my boxes. Who like, boxes are they? Well, we got kids ordering on Amazon Prime now. What? What's up with that? How did that happen? Right? So what's so crazy about this whole Amazon Prime thing, we think it's going to save us money. But really, in its essence, it's it's actually caused us to spend more. Right? I'm just being honest with you. But here's, here's what's crazy. Let me tell you some stats. Last year, Amazon sold 426 items a second. A second. Yeah. They sold... 36 million items, they sell 36 million items a day, a day. Woo! They're doing well at their jobs, okay? And here's what's crazy. In America, in America, right, in our nice suburban cultures in America, uh, we have $2.9 billion, $2.9 billion, not million, billion dollars 2900000000 not 1000000 Square feet of storage space in storage units in america, all right so in all this while even while our houses are getting bigger, yet our families are getting smaller um, we got we got more so here here 's the dilemma we live in a culture of more we do we do we, we need to, we need to be aware of this we need to have We need to have like acute perspective of being guarded against what happens to all of us if we're not really, really, really careful in guarding what? Our hearts. We live in a culture of more that says the more you have, the happier happier you'll be. So most of us don't realize that we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts. Most of us don't grasp where we're at in that level of how you doing? How's it going? How's your heart? What, what, what's your greatest love? So Luke goes on, Jesus goes on to say and speak to this in verse 16. He says, then he tells this guy a story. He tells him this story. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have any room for my crops. Sounds like us. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and big, build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store, store all my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, I love this. Now he goes like talking to himself. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away. You know you're like kind of high on yourself when you, when you've, you think you've arrived and all of a sudden you're addressing yourself as my friend. My friend, he's saying to himself, my friend, you have enough stored away for, for years to come. Now just take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then you will get everything that you work for. Now, here, here's the deal. This guy's problem isn't that he's had a great year. That's, that's fine. I, I mean, there, there's a boatload in God's word about working hard and doing well and growing in your influence and, and, and doing well. I mean, that's, that's not, please don't all of a sudden try to, try to tune this conversation out and, and say, hey, so I'm bad because I, I'm, I'm earning a living and I'm working hard. No, 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 that's not this. This is, this is something completely different. See, this guy's problem wasn't that he had a great year. The problem is that he was focused on himself. You hear it in this conversation. He's just focused on himself. He's not focused on anything or anybody else. He's just so in love with himself. And I can probably promise you, if we read into this guy's life, probably most of the people around him didn't like him a whole lot. His his relationships probably weren't all that great. He probably was so absorbed in all these other areas that we're seeing that probably everywhere else he wasn't doing so great. Probably relationally, he was not doing well, and in the areas of business, he was probably doing great. But in the end, you know, the story goes, as most of us know, he, you know, had a sad life probably, right? So, so th- is there a balance in all this? Is there something we need to think through all this? Well, Scripture says, beware greed. Guard your heart. Scripture says, guard your heart. Why? Because it, that's, that's where life comes from. It's a wellspring of life. So this guy's problem is the fact that he was focused on himself. And it looks like he was already living the good life, Right? I mean, it looks like he already had the good life. I mean, he, was, he, was, he had so much, he's having to build bigger barns to put all his stuff in. So somehow this guy got caught up in what a lot of us get caught up in, and that is the more you have. That's when the good life comes. If I can just have one more fill-in-the-blank, one more of this, one more of that, a bigger this, bigger that, one more child, one more, I mean, you know, and that's great. That's, we should applaud all of that. But for just as much that we see in Scripture about, you know, money as it talks about one area, it says in a lot of other verses, it can steal your heart. It can steal your joy. And so we've got to just guard really just our hearts in this. So let me just say this. If somebody came up to you with a gun, and they're like, a gun was on you, right? They're on you. Whoop, gun. You're like, Hey! What's the first thing you say? Here, take my money. <laughs> take my money. Just spare my life, right? See, we will say that, but honestly, do we really live like that? See, here's the hard truth. The hard truth is, if we're honest, most of our fears, most of our worries, most of our frustration, most of our highs, think about this. You just come up, Think about your story right now. Most of your highs, most of our lows, most of your marriage problems is over, is over what? Money. It's just over stuff. It has a sneaky way of getting into your life and absorbing and taking and stealing your heart. So God's just saying, listen, I, I want you to guard your hearts. Guard against greed. So here's the thing, and I just, I'll be honest. I, I, I pray for you as your pastor. I pray that God would richly bless you. I do. I, I pray that God would bless you financially so our church can can give and we can be a blessing to others. I, I really pray for that. I pray for your finances. I pray for your jobs. I pray that God grows your income, grows your your resources. But I want to I I pray that God would guard your hearts too in the same token. Because I don't I don't want any of us to lose our way, lose your marriage, lose your kids because it has a sneaky, sneaky way of getting into your heart and taking it piece by piece by piece to where, you, to where you lose your way, to where you've given all your time, all your efforts, and chasing something that is like trying to catch a tiger by a tail. When you, when you catch it, it's like, oh, where have I, where have I lost it all to? What, 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 has, what, what, what has all my time gone to? All I've done is lost my kids. All I've done is really lost my wife. All I've done is just chase something that really has not really been fully satisfying. So I pray for our church. I pray that God bless your wealth. I pray God would allow us to be incredibly generous as a church. But here's for just as many verses about, you know, what money can be great about, right, what we can do with it for good. There's just as much in there that God says you got to be so careful with. There's a book by a guy by the name of Joe Dominguez. It's called Your Money or Your Life. And what he did was in this, he did, a, he, did a, uh, he did some research, did some surveys, did some research, and asked 1,000 people to rate their happiness, rate your happiness. And what he did was, he did a scale from one to five. Uh, if you are a one, uh, that's, I'm miserable. This is no good. It's terrible. Fives, you know, I'm totally joyful. I mean, this is like, like the eclipse, like perfect peace and happiness and joy. All right, so one to five, somewhere like three, the middle is like you know can't complain, not too bad, it's so so. All right, and so what he did was, then he compared it to all their their incomes, and what he was trying to do was he he was asking the question, does money correlate to happiness? And so he looked at people whether they were making twenty thousand or two hundred thousand, thirty thousand or three hundred thousand, forty thousand or four hundred thousand, and he was asking the question and trying to look at does money correlate to happiness? And so he and so. Here's what happened. Out of all the people, whether, whether they were, you know, up here or over here on the financial spectrum, here's what he came back with. The average response, whether it was 20 or 200, 30 or 300, you know, 50 or 500, the average response was 2.6% of people, you know, or, or all the people uh, were in 2.6% of that 1 to 5 scale, basically saying they were just a little bit less than I can't complain. <laughs> A little bit more than miserable, but not quite to I can't complain. Isn't that crazy? So what they learned was that the good life has very little do, to do with your correlation of the money and your happiness. People were just as unhappy at 20,000 as they were at 200,000. There, there was really no difference is what they learned. So what would it take for you to be joyous, right? What, what would it take? Just a little bit more than you have now is what people said. That's what they said. If I, and on average, people said if I had 20% more, then I would be happiness. Now, um... I had a conversation with my son this last week, thinking about this conversation we're going to have today, and um, he is really, really, really into Nerf guns right now, like psycho. Some of you guys know my son. He's like psycho into Nerf guns, right? Like, we bought one, and one showed up in a box this week by Amazon, right? Right? All right, And it was his birthday recently, and then he took some of his money and bought some more Nerf guns. And we tried to talk him out of buying some Nerf, Nerf guns, and we just bought his very first stock, Right, trying to say, okay, if you took this money and you just bought a stock, so we bought a stock last week. He was all excited about a stock, so he's now been watching stock market, and he's learned about all. He's like, this is the coolest thing ever. But we thought that might help squelch some of the Nerf guns things, but yesterday he wanted to take the rest of his money and go buy a Nerf gun. So this morning I'm talking to him. And I'm like, hey, do you know what I'm talking about in church today? And so we're having this conversation. We're talking. And, and I'm like, J.D., I'm trying to te- help people grasp that having more Nerf guns is not going to make you happier. He's like, are you serious? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm, and I'm like, J.D., no, 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 no. Like, like, okay, look, what happens when that Nerf gun breaks? It's like, it won't break. It's awesome. This is the newest, and he's like showing it to me, and he's like, this one cocks better. It goes faster, and it's like trying to help him grasp this, that more Nerf guns aren't going to make you happy, right? More Nerf, but he, that, that does not compute. It does not compute. So we got some work there, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at him, and I'm thinking, we're no different, and I've modeled that to him. My wife teaches me and she says I love to hunt things. And whether it's creatures, animals, or whether it's something online, right? He loves stuff in the very same way that I love stuff. And stuff really does not have the power to make you happy, right? And I don't know we'd love to argue that. And I think, man, if I had more, I could be happier, right? We really do think if I had more, I could be happier. So, so here's the thing. The point is all the research shows after your basic needs of food and shelter are met having more money has little direct correlation to human happiness all right it really is fact all right so here's 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 the second thing i want to give you notes today if we want to win in this area right and not get lost and 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 earn earn incomes and earn wealth and have more stuff and and be able to applaud it and it not steal our hearts. Here's the second thing I've got to tell you. We've got to develop a rich relationship with God. It, we, that has to be done. We, we've got to have that. That that's what helps everything else out in life. That helps that helps that getting lost meter of getting lost to being like on target with your life, living it in such a valuable and important way that you know you're valued by God and you live your life to where you are joyful and have peace to do that we've got to develop a rich a rich relationship with God Jesus goes on to say in Luke chapter 12 verse 21 it says yes a person and he's just very frank here right <laughs> I love this the the, the the how God just says stuff so frankly when it when he really wants to make a point yes a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. So what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, live life beyond the short term. See, if you live life for for the now, J.D. thinks Nerf guns now, right? He, He can't see beyond 11 years old. He doesn't realize that if you'll put more money in a stock or you'll save more, if you'll be generous with more. I told him this morning, I said, hey, don't you think it might be a good idea since you've got so much more? Why don't we give some of your Nerf guns away to some of your buddies? You know what he said? Nothing. He just went like seriously, right? I mean, that's what he's thinking. He's He's a really generous kid. But with Nerf guns, we're talking something totally different, right? I'll give you anything but my Nerf guns. I mean, that's like like, I'm just going to rip his heart out when that day comes, right? So, Jesus is really trying to help us grasp something here. What are you thinking about? Are you think, Are you just living right now? Right now, I get it. it, it, it you think that that's going to make you happier. You think that's going to bring something to your marriage. You think that's going to bring something to your, your life as a whole and, and where you are inside your heart with being content and being peaceful and not living with fear and anxiety and worry i get that but jesus is saying you're thinking about short term thinking about the now so he says to us in verse 32 so don't be afraid little flock <laughs> i love just like like it's so big for us but the, the, the words he picks out don't be afraid little flock just gives us perspective it's like it's easy for god it's easy for God. All, all this stuff can be huge for us. The fears, the anxieties, the worries. The, do I have enough? Have I stored enough? Do I have Do I have, what it, do I have what, it, what it takes to be able to get enough so we can be secure and safe? And Jesus says, don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father. And he calls himself his father to us because some of us are trying to know, is he really a dad? Is he really that capable to love me like a father could and should? And he calls himself father and he says, for it gives me... Great happiness to give you the kingdom. And I think the key word is give because that's really what God is. God is a generous God. He wants to be generous with us, essentially to to build us up, to love and lavish us, but not for us to, to fall in love with ourselves because of what we got. He wants to lavish us and give to us so we can be a blessing and bless others. So I, I really think there's people out there that's got kind of like, nah, I'm not going to give you much because I, I just kind of see what you're going to do with it. I, I, I want to bless you so you can be a blessing to others. And I think God allows us to take some spiritual faith steps in this department so we can learn and so he can continue to bless us. I, I really think that's kind of how do- God operates. I'm not God I can't really totally speak from, but I'm saying Scripture says to us, like here's another huge thing, like what I was saying to J.D. today. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. That's going to that's gonna help us somehow, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to continue. If, if we look at our stuff and think beyond the now and we're generous and we can give our stuff away and use our stuff for what matters, it'll keep our attention off ourselves. It'll keep us from falling in love with ourselves. And I think that's the greatest struggle all of us have. My greatest battle isn't anybody else in the world. It's me. My greatest struggle in the entire universe is my love for myself. That's it. I want to, I'm not into your preservation. I'm really into my preservation. Right? And that's where most of us, if we'd be really honest, that's where we're at. You want to be a better husband, be a better dad. This is it. This is a conversation. (laughs) So this whole conversation is really about two things. Gratitude and generosity. Gratitude and generosity. That's really it. I mean, That's probably, if I could pass on those two things to my kids, I feel like job well done, dad. Really. In, in light of a relationship with Jesus, them learning gratitude and generosity. See, here's what, here's what, uh, well, let me read the rest of that verse. It says, sell all this stuff, then you'll build up your treasure in heaven Maybe basically saying you ought to use your money for God's purposes. That's what God's saying there. And, and his, this is what he says. If you're using your money for God's purposes, it says, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Like our stuff, I noticed my Bible this morning. I, I've got it. It's, it's like starting to peel here. I notice all of our stuff, like, gets old. Like, we built a house back in 2012, and, like, it needs paint. It needs it needs it needs work now. I'm even noticing some areas uh, on our windows where some paint's gone. It's like even starting to get like the wood starting to get bad on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, our house, uh, right? Stuff gets old, but when, when 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 we invest and use our stuff for God's purposes, when we become generous with our stuff, it says that God's stuff will never run out of the ability to bless back. The purses of heaven will never get old and develop holes. It says, your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. So, again, how do you open the door to the good life? Two things, gratitude and generosity. Gratitude says this. Gratitude says, I'm not going to spend my days comparing myself to anybody else who might have more than me. I'm going to celebrate and be thankful to God for what I already have. That's what gratitude says. That's what gratitude says. Generosity says, uh, shows I'm not controlled by greed. Generosity will prove and show you're not controlled by greed. I don't have, it it, it shows I'm not controlled by greed. I don't have, I don't have to have more. Um, I get more blessing by being generous than by worrying about myself. That's what generosity says. So here's the thing. Um, Nobody said it was gonna be easy to be generous. No one said it's no one ever said it's gonna it's easy. It's not easy. That's that, that ought to be a constant tension in your life. If there's no tension, if there's no tension about you taking some steps and being generous, that might be a warning sign, right? If there's no tension in your life right now about you taking a step of being generous, that could be that could be a warning sign for you to say, Maybe I'm not maybe I'm not being generous. Maybe maybe I'm missing joy. Maybe I'm missing this peace because maybe greed's got me and I don't know it. So nobody said, it's going to be gen- nobody said generosity was going to be easy. But here's the thing. Generosity takes faith. Hands down, being generous. And for some of you, some of you were ridic- ridiculously generous. My family, we want to be ridiculously generous. But I'm telling you, when we're trying to be ridiculous, even with our own church, when we want to be ridiculously generous, it's scary. It takes faith. It takes like gulp, okay, God, I'm gonna do this because I want to I don't agree to take over my heart. I want to model it to my kids. I wanna be good with stewards with our stuff. I want to bless others, you know, and, and create, you know, something in their world where they can recognize and see you. But that takes faith. But I tell you what, it's the coolest way. It's the coolest, most exciting way that I get to be blessed and see God work. And it, and it really, it does something in myself. It does something in Christy's heart, too. It does something in our hearts when we're able to give um, give and bless others. It does something in our heart when we give to this church. Um, so generosity and, generosity and gratitude allows us to do this. And this is the last thing in your notes that I'll finish with this. Generosity and gratitude allows us to, third thing, be filled with faith and not worry. That's the result of being generous and showing gratitude to God. Then all of a sudden, you're filled, filled with faith, not worry. And I'm telling you, we can worry about a lot of stuff, can't we? I mean, I can worry about some stupid stuff, especially in the middle of the night. I mean, what can start with like a cough can end up with like, oh my gosh, the world is crashing in at this moment right, in the middle of the night. But we can worry about a lot of stuff, like, from, like, who to marry to families, our families, my kids, my wife, their safety, provision, right? Do I have enough for what's next? Am I ready for what's next? I mean, some of you guys have had layoffs, and, you know, you're on the edge with some stuff in your job, you don't like your job, you're trying to figure out what's next for your job. You know, we're thinking about retirement. We're thinking about trying to get to college. Some of you are thinking about, like, I'm trying to provide for them for college now. Uh, you know, money, weddings, our futures. And then so the, here's, here's what I want to end with in Jesus' words. In Luke tw- Luke 12:22. then Jesus says to his disciples, and I think this is powerful for us to camp out on and use this as a springboard for next week. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, based on all that we've talked about, Therefore, I tell you, not to worry about your life, about what you will eat. And he goes into some of the basics of what we can worry about. Having enough, about what you eat, about your body, how it looks, how it feels, whether it's going to break down for you. I mean, some of you guys are struggling right now with some real physical stuff, right? So don't worry about your body. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you wear, right? That's that's all the stuff that we try to have in our, our culture, houses and cars and your looks and all that kind of stuff. Don't worry about your body. Is your body more than clothes? Consider the ravens. And he talks about the birds. Uh, do they, they don't sow. They don't go out and have to earn anything and worry about reaping anything. Do they, they don't have a storeroom or a barn, and yet God feeds them. And yet God feeds them. Here's these pathetic creatures that God's you know trying to minimize his, his creation below us, who he loves, the most. He minimizes the creation, elevates us human beings, and he says that God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? You, or who of you by worrying, and this again, he kind of elevates himself now, you by worrying, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing. (laughs) Like he says, it's a really, really little thing for him to add hours to your life. He can extend it. He can cut it short. We have no ability to do that, right? We, we can't extend our life. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? See, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, guys, you're even less in control of what you think you are. You are in less control. You have less control of what you think you have control of. You can't even add one second to your life. Yet we go around living so stressed out. Uh, There was a guy, um, I'll end with this story, pick up some, some cool stuff next week, but there's this guy in London, England, who was just freaked out. He gets on the phone with a, you know, like an operator uh, out, in a, out in a public area. And um, he is he's, he's making like an emergency call. I don't know if it's 911 there, but he makes an emergency call. And he's on with the operator, and he's freaking out, just like going crazy because somehow, I don't know, I don't really know the, the complete story, but somehow he thinks he's holding a bomb in his hand. So he's on the phone with the operator, and they're trying to tell him to calm down. <laughs> And he literally thinks he's holding a bomb, right? I'm holding a bomb. Get yourself over here and help me. Somebody, right? And they're trying to, like, you know, get him calmed down to ex- find out where he's at and is he really holding the bomb? And so at this point, they, 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 they come to assume he's holding the bomb. So they dispatch help, and all of a sudden, the cavalry comes in. And he's, he is beside himself. And she keeps on saying, calm down, calm down, you're going to be fine. Don't do anything rash. Don't move. He's like, I'm not moving. And he freaks out, and he's like, just shut up. You're not holding the bomb. I'm holding the bomb. And here's the thing. This guy ends up finding out that he was just holding some hydraulic piece from some modern modern European car. So the cavalry arrives, they find out it's not a bomb, he's freaked out, and here's the thing, all that worry was misplaced, right, all that worry was misplaced, and here's what Jesus is trying to say to us, Jesus is just trying to say, trust me, and let go of your fear, trust me, and everything that you have, trust me with all that you are, why, because I'm trustworthy. I'm trustworthy so here's the thought for us today what would it look like for you and i to tar- to start taking some steps of faith toward a god who says i can be trusted let me show you what this father can do in your heart in the area that you really need me to do the most in so let's pray Lord, I want to thank you for your grace. God, I want to thank you so much that you uh, that you just have a unique way of presenting your scripture, your word to us. That really does; it can penetrate our hearts. It can, it can, uh, it can guide us to, to truth. And so, I, I, God, I just I beg you to, to today, as a church, we could get to a place where we have enormous faith. And our faith could allow us to do some incredible things. God, I I do. I beg of you for that for us, that we could do great things as a church. But God, I I beg for you to do a work in us personally and individually so that marriages aren't ruined, children aren't ruined, men get off and and lose their ways, women get off and and lose their ways and lose things. God, I just pray that you you would today open us up, let us see ourselves what really might be going on. God, I pray that we take some steps, some real steps of, I don't want to be this way. I want to be different. So God, I'm going to to attempt to start being grateful for what I've already got. I'm going to attempt, God, to start being generous, to start breaking the grip of greed in my life. God, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to notice the maybe the kid on my son's baseball team who's doesn't have good shoes and everybody else got great cleats but his his are terrible and his gloves broken down or god i'm gonna i'm gonna notice needs of this church or i'm gonna notice the needs of my neighbor god i'm gonna notice the needs of somebody else but myself god break the grip of greed in our hearts god so that we can be more peaceful and more happy and worry less but, God, mostly so we can be close to you and so we can show you off to others even beyond that. So, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you today. We love you, and in your name we pray, amen. I'm going to invite our host teams to come up, and Richard's going to close us out. Thank you, Richard.